I think a lot of churches and individuals know of the importance of discipleship, but still fail in materializing or measuring or kind of having a, a fully developed concept that they truly love. And so mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of like, we, we, we know it's important. We just don't know how. I think there is that from a church side. Like, so is your discipleship pathway? Is it clear? What are you calling the people to do? What would the people in your church be able to say, this is what a disciple is? And, and for a lot of churches, that clarity isn't there. Welcome, my friend. This is the weekend edition of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Yes, my friend, welcome to this weekend edition episode number nine, actually, of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. My special guest today is Zach Zender. Zach is the teaching pastor at King of Kings Church in Omaha, Nebraska. He and I met each other because we're in a cohort within the Art of Leadership Academy, uh, an organization led by Kerry Newhoff. And he and I were thrust together in that group and so we've gotten to know each other just a little bit online, and I love his story. And he's gonna, he, I tease out his story with a few questions today. And Zach talks about how he became a pastor, uh, how he got to the church he was at in Florida, and how he began to think about how do I move my people toward meaningful discipleship. And that's really what I think is the big idea of this episode, as we as pastors consider our church families and our church members and how can we move them more toward deeper and more sustainable uh, life of discipleship, life of following Jesus. And Zach has some core principles, kind of a core framework that he's built an entire company around, but it started out with him just trying to get his people to go deeper with Jesus. Here's my conversation with Zach Zender. Zach Zender, welcome to the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Hey, hey, can I call you Zachy Z? <laughs> you can do that. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I hope that's I hope that's not demeaning. I just no. I love the name, man. Two Z's. I yeah, mean, it's, it's who has a, that? It's got a good ring to it. I, I am last though in just about everything, <laughs> first or last name. So hey, um, the first should yeah. be last, man. Right? <laughs> that's. That's what I'm counting on right there. Yeah. You've heard that a few times, haven't you? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, hey, congratulations on being the very first member of the Art of Leadership Academy to be on one of my, well, other than Carrie some years ago, right. but to be on one of my podcasts uh, <laughs> since you and I have both jumped into this. So yeah. thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And we, we are not in the same denomination. We've never met each other before. But we're only less than three hours apart geographically, so that's kind of fun. A lunch is is for sure in our future, and I look forward to that. But for our listeners, um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and always include your family. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an, a neighbor to you over in Omaha, Nebraska. You're, you're in Iowa, so it's uh, it's good to be with you. Yeah, so I'm a, a husband and father first, and so I've got uh, a wife, Allison, that, geez, this year is going to be 18 years uh, here Ooh, in July, which yes. uh, seems like crazy. But And then I got two boys, Nathan and Brady, who are 14 and 11, and I just... Awesome. 
I love being a dad more and more as they get older. Um, some people love the baby stage. I'm like, I just appreciate my boys <laughs> the older they get. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love, love being those things. And then um, I'm actually a fourth generation uh, Lutheran pastor. And, wow. and so, yeah, it's, it's a good stand on some pretty broad shoulders in my family. And, and so uh, in ministry and, and a teaching pastor at King of Kings in Omaha, Nebraska, and so that's, I get the privilege to bring God's word regularly um, to the people at King of Kings. And then um, just this crazy thing is kind of was a side thing at first. That's now become a main thing for us. About five years ago, we came out with uh, a book called Red Letter Challenge. And, and um, it's a book that churches across the nation and world have used. And so my wife and I, Allison and I, we've created more resources kind of under the red letter banner, if you will. And so so we find a, a lot of my time in that world, the creation of resources and kind of running that ministry um, and then get the privilege to yeah, be a pastor as well at, at Omaha. So exciting. So, 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 so tell me, Zach, I'm a first generation <laughs> pastor, right? God, yeah. God called me when I was young. And uh, I have a specific, you know, story around that. But for you, fourth generation, yeah. t- tell us about this. So, so you're in junior high, you're in high school. Did did you always just think, oh, I've, I've got to be a pastor because of three generations ahead? Or how did that work? Tell us that story. Yeah, or or I'd be a real failure, right? No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, it, yeah, yeah, it was something that was never forced on me uh, by my dad, and I'm appreciative of that. Uh, I do feel like kind of when my faith became alive, which was sort of that eighth, ninth, 10th grade, I do feel like there was a moment in there. And I can remember a specific service where I just really, the youth pastor of our service, it, it never set, heard him say it before that, you know, tonight, some of you, God is, God is calling into ministry. And for whatever reason, I can't explain it to you. Like I just, that was, I knew that was for me. And that was in between ninth and 10th grade. Um, and, and so that was cool in the moment. It was exciting. Like, I love Jesus. And that sounds great. Then you live in high school years, and it's like a couple of years later when someone asked me what I was going to do, I'd say anything but a pastor. <laughs> and so, you know, I think there's that initial um, excitement over it, but then also like this world is has uh, got a lot to it and and is tempting. Mm-hmm. And and I was really kind of going down the path of uh, let me just kind of get into what I want to do, which at that time was like probably sports broadcasting or journalism or something. And hmm. and and so that was kind of my. Uh, Thankfully, God kind of reoriented me. It was the actually the summer right before I started college. I was looking at a few universities with my friends and, and you know, I was kind of leaving my major open at that point, not declaring, kind of feeling like in the back, like I know I should be a pastor, but then not really wanting to. And so I was kind of like, I'll just go to college and sort stuff out as I get there. And uh, amazingly, that summer prior to me attending uh, Concordia University in Wisconsin, uh, I got into a really bad car accident and I was blindsided going 60 miles an hour with a pickup truck hit me right in the driver's side door. And, and uh, it was something I look back on that could have could have taken my life, um, should have probably altered my life. And yet, for whatever reason, I walked out of the hospital a couple hours after that uh, with just a little scar underneath my chin. Um, but a brand new perspective mm. on life. And I remember getting on my knees that night, thanking God for the second chance that I was given at the young age of 18 um, and kind of wow. committed that night to serve God and go into ministry. And it's cool. Once that happened, 
the thing that I was kind of running from all of a sudden became my dream. And, and I, I just love that piece of it that like, I, I, I was trying to like do anything but that. And then after that night, it was like all I wanted to do. And, and so, yeah, that happened at 18 and then university seminary nine, it took me nine years to go through those two things. And <laughs> there you go. I was, I guess I was officially ready. Okay. So what I noticed in this story is that there was just this happenstance of a comment that your youth pastor made. And it was mm. just, you know, you said you'd never heard him say it before. Yeah. He, he said it that night and you felt like that was for you. And it sounds like it had as much of an impact in your overall story as a, a, a huge traffic accident had yeah. in your life to just kind of get you back on track. But it was, so I guess what I'm saying to pastors is don't discount a, a still small voice, you know, yeah. some comment you make at the end of a service that if the <laughs> spirit is prompting you to do it, do it because it could have just as much of an impact as that guy had on you mm. that night. So that is really cool. And it, and just, uh, just the thought as pastors that we could have that kind of influence in a moment like that with students is, is yeah. pretty, pretty cool. So you became a pastor and tell us about the churches you pastored before you got into thinking about writing or, or journaling or however you started this, this idea of red letter challenge discipleship. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I got um, in 2010, graduated from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and a buddy of mine had finished um, seminary two years before I did and got called to a church in Lake Mary, Florida, Holy Cross Lutheran. And um, once he got there, they, they had this vision to start seven churches in 10 years. And so he was kind of number one. And as he was there, he's like, I think I know number two. Wow, and so that yeah. was kind of the human element in you know what, what we believe is a divine call um, mm-hmm. to a congregation um, of how we landed in central Florida. Um, and, and we went there knowing that we would plant a church. And so our, our church uh, was in Mount Dora, Florida. And uh, we had a great 11-year chapter from 2010 to 2021 there uh, and got to kind of experience, <laughs> experience it coming into the city, um, knowing that it was just our family at that point. It was me, my wife, and my two-and-a-half-year-old oldest at that point, Nathan. And I would say, Jeff, for the first time in my life, that was the moment, you know, growing up in a pastor's family and going, and then of course, with the accident happening at 18, then going to a Lutheran university seminary. Um, I'm not saying university and seminary were easy, but, but this was the first time in my life where I felt like daily, I need to depend on God and and, and have faith that he's going to show up because like legitimately, I don't know what I'm doing. It's just our family. We're in a strange place. We know nobody. And, and so it was really cool to see God show up in incredible ways um, with, with the church we planted called The Cross. And so we got to, yeah, form a core group and kind of over a 10, 11 year chapter, we, we went from that core group that was meeting for Bible studies and doing a few large community events to get our, our name out there um, to 14 months later, opening with our first worship service. I'm going from from core group to church plant to small church and then to medium sized church and then the large church and then the church in two locations and church in portable locations. And so just kind of it felt like every sort of year to 18 months kind of reinventing even my leadership, um, because as the church grows, your your leadership shifts with it. Um, and, and so just got to see some really cool things in that. 
Um, or, or or as your leadership grows, mm. the church shifts with it. Which is it? <laughs> well, it could huh. it could be either either one. Yeah, absolutely. And, unless and what so, God is well, unless what God is doing just pushes you to de- <laughs> further develop your leadership. Right, right. Which I, he definitely does that. And that's you, yeah, you say that. That's what Red Letter Challenge was. You, you talked about when did you think about journaling and writing? It's like Jeff, I never thought about that. Uh, nowhere hmm. in like high school or college or seminary was any professor or teacher of mine like, "Hey, Zach, you got a gift in writing. You're going to be an author." <laughs> <laughs> and so I never, I never walked, I never thought about that. And, and so when I look back at it. I can see God's hand in it because it's so, to me, laughable um, that I'd be writing resources that that would be, you know, changing so many churches across the world. And so the genesis of Red Letter Challenge, uh, it was our first book. It's a 40-day challenge to help people uh, follow Jesus, kind of centered around five targets uh, that we believe come out of the mouth of Jesus the most. And it started actually in the cross in our first year when I had a core group that I felt like was really committed to like playing church, they knew how to do it, um, which as a church planter, like I was grateful for, like they're committed, they're loyal, they're generous and they show up like that's awesome. But then like when I would talk to them about getting out of the community serving um, and especially when I talked to them about like inviting people to come to this new church, it almost felt like they'd pat themselves on the back, like, Oh, all my friends already go to church. um, And so we're good. And so I was trying to find a solution, Jeff, how do I mobilize my entire congregation in a fun, compelling way um, to get out into the community? And the best answer that I came up with was, I have no idea. Let me go see what Jesus said. And let me literally just take words of Jesus and challenge people to do literally what Jesus said. And so for 40 days, and this was the very first year of our church when we were very small, uh, I took random commands, imperatives of Jesus, and I would write a little blog, and then I would challenge people to legitimately, literally do what he said that day. And so there are some days when that was more internal. So abide in my word, for instance. And so that day, let's let's all spend 30 minutes and let's share what we're learning. Then other days would be more external. Um, let your light shine uh, you know, before others or love your neighbor as yourself. And so th- today, like legitimately, who's your neighbor? Go love, go go do something, serve your neighbor today and let us know how it goes. And so we did that for 40 days, kind of just random commands and three things happened. Uh, our church, little church grew, which I thought was pretty cool. Our community, it turns out is always better when you put the words of Jesus into practice. Um, the third one though, was the most surprising to me. Long time Christians um, started talking about how fulfilling it was um, to be pushed and challenged in their faith and to actually do it. Wow. And that's when I realized we were on to something here. Um, but still, never in my mind was I thinking, I'll turn this into a book in like a 40-day all-in series for churches. <laughs> so it, it was none of that. This was just a blog. This was just something totally. you were doing yep. online. Yep, totally. And so we decided next year, let's do it again. And so I, I repeated maybe half of the 40, 40 comments and blogs and then maybe came up with 15, 20 new ones. And we did it again and we saw another great results. And so cool. Same things happened again. And at that time, I felt like God was saying, Zach, I've given you this idea to steward. Um, And and so this is your, for whatever reason, like I'm asking you to steward this idea. And here's the idea um, that the best way to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus. (laughs) That's it. And so I think in a world filled with like really good and great discipleship information, 
the best answer to following Jesus is still like Jesus came into this world and told us how to follow. So why are we, why are we reinventing? Let's just do what he said. And, okay, let me and, let me stop you just yeah. for a second, Zach, because or else yeah. I'm going to lose these questions I have. When you didn't have, didn't know how to get your people to really go all in and and get out into the world and and do what Jesus said, what? Why didn't you go online and look for a resource? Why didn't you just get one that was already started? What pushed you to create something yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. It's probably. It's probably a little bit of uh, I wasn't sure exactly where to go, and 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 like I didn't have really great consensus from uh, some people that I trust of like this is the one thing that you ought to do. Um, so that's probably one one piece, and then the second piece is like I, I think naturally I'm a pretty entrepreneurial, creative uh, type that like gets excited about doing new things, and so that that's probably why. Um, is that, and and that's where I can look back now and see like, yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm also, I probably wear the entrepreneur hat more today than I do pastor. Um, and so that's just my unique wiring in all of this. uh, Because I I can think of another, um, well-known ministry that has done a few 40 day challenges, (laughs) but you didn't, you didn't go there. So the second question is when you wanted to do it the second year, usually yeah. when you do something the first time, it, it's, it hits with great fanfare and great success and everybody's excited about it. And often when you do it the second time, there's a little bit less excitement, a little, it's just not that first time. Yeah. It's not that like that first kiss. Right. And so how, how, how was it better? How did, how did you get it to improve the second time and not diminish a little bit? You know, I, I legitimately think everybody was excited to do it because we saw some really cool things the first time. And so the second time to make it new, like I, I did want to create some new devotion, some new blog. So it's not just we're doing the very same thing again. And so I think those two pieces of like they saw the momentum that it brought the year before. And the fact that there is a lot of new stuff in here um, and probably even in the quote old stuff, there was some new words or new phrases or tightened up a little bit. Um, and so, so yeah, the, the, the sequel, it turned out, and I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet, but I hear that's a pretty great sequel. That's all I'm hearing <laughs> about these days. <laughs> yeah. The sequel turned out pretty dang good too. And, and that's after the second time, that's when I really do feel like the clarity from God of like, this is an idea I, I, I put in your lap to steward. And, and I didn't know what that meant. And truthfully, I didn't, I didn't do anything with it for a while because I didn't know what that meant. Like, again, because I'm not thinking, oh, I'll, I'll write this into a 40-day book or challenge or anything. And so then the next piece that came into the story, probably, probably a year or two after that, was there was a gentleman in my church that uh, had a small publishing company that he had heard about what we'd done. And, and he told me, like, dude, you need to turn that into a book. We could, that, that could do really well. And so I did a ton of the work to turn it into a book based on his recommendation. And he was a great guy, but Jeff, he t- did turn out to be a little bit of a flake <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and moved on and, and, and that was fine. But what it forced me to do was like, by the time he left, I was kind of, I felt like two thirds of the way to like, I've actually got a pretty developed idea and thesis here. Hmm. And so I didn't know what to do with it. Probably a year after that, I was mailed a book in the mail randomly called Freeway by Mike Foster. Um, and it was, uh, it was a book that just had some really unique design and cool small group elements to it. 
that I felt like was the missing touch to what I, I hadn't done yet. And so I called the company that designed it, Plain Joe Studios out in Corona, California, ended up talking to their president, Peter McGowan, and talking to him about my, my idea of just like, let's get back to Jesus and tell a better story. And, 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 and here's, you know, my idea through red letter challenge. And so, um, flew out there and had a couple days of brainstorming with them. And in talking with them, they loved the, the big idea, but they, this is where kind of things changed and where like the full clarity came. Um, they said kind of, don't take 40 random quotes of Jesus. Can you look back at what he said? And are there themes or principles that you can pull out that can kind of help this thing be organized? Hmm. And the moment they said that, that's when everything clicked for me of like, okay, that's it. So I, I'm a pretty simple guy. And so in my mind, I'm like, let me find five targets uh, that we feel like out of all the commands and imperatives. So when we talk red letters, like we're specifically looking at what does Jesus call us to do? Um, what are the five targets that come up the most frequently? And, and, and so after looking at everything again in fresh eyes, the five targets we came up with were being, uh, which is all about being and growing in relationship with God. And that's the first step um, in t- discipleship is it's not about a, following a list of rules. It's I get to be in relationship with him. Um, and so being and then second, forgiving. There's so much that Jesus talks about forgiving, receiving his grace and then giving it away. Um, so being forgiving and then serving comes after that. And then giving, and then finally going, uh, which is more of an evangelistic speaking. And the moment those five kind of presented themselves off the page to me, I'm not saying that's everything Jesus calls us to do, but like my simple brain can handle five. That's pretty good. If I, yeah, so the sure. moment those came, I'm like, cool. That's when things started clicking of like, this is 40 days. I know how to reorganize this. I had to write a whole bunch of new devotions as well at that point to fit into the framework. Um, but then as well, like this could be a sermon series. This would be small group material that would be really exciting. And in the end, like these are five targets that now legitimately I'm using myself to measure. Because I think that's the big piece that's missing in a lot of our churches as we talk about the importance of discipleship, but we don't know how to measure it. And, and so that for me, like that's how I measure how I'm doing. I go through those five targets um, I try to meet with my boys every month, each of them individually. They know those five words, being forgiving, serving, giving, going. And I use them to disciple them. I'm not saying it's the perfect strategy, but I think it's pretty dang good because I feel like that's what Jesus called us to do. And if we don't have targets, like try these. That's usually what I, what I tell people. And uh, and it's been really cool to see uh, what, what God's done with it. So long, long story short, it was seven years <laughs> hmm. uh, before Red Letter Challenge came out as a book. Um, and I never really intended to write a book. Did you actually do it every year of those seven years or did you take a year or two off? Yeah, we, we took a few years off. We Once it was developed into like a product, we did it again um, in Red Letter Challenge. Um, and that was, I think, the fall of 2017. Um, and, and so we got the first look at it. I made a few more tweaks. And then really it became uh, after that um, open to the public, if you will, January, February of 2018. And what was the thing that got its um, distribution really going? Was there an inflection point? Yeah, it's it's funny you ask that because I was like, cool, God, I was faithful with it. I stewarded it. I put a lot of investment into it, partnered with some really great people to make it great. 
Um, but I was like, I'll go back to full-time lead pastor now and, and continue <laughs> to do that. Uh, we hosted at our church in Florida, we hosted about 60 churches that were in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Center, Synod called mega churches. Um, now, mega church numbers is differently defined. And so um, <laughs> in the Lutheran world, that number is getting smaller and smaller, unfortunately. Uh, yes. But we hosted them. And so on the way out, I, again, I, I wasn't thinking anything, but I was like, hey, guys, I just wrote a book and we'd, I'd love for you to take a free copy on the way out. And, and it was probably that group of pastors that, that uh, several of them, maybe a dozen of them, um, that pretty soon after that, like after Easter and the fall of 18, that utilized it, saw incredible things in their church, and then word of mouth, it, it started spreading like crazy um, in the last part of 18 and 2019. Um, and that's, that's when we knew we were up to something. And, and truthfully for us, it's um, we really believe in the content and really believe in what it's doing in the individual's lives. But we, we do a lot of our marketing to pastors um, because it's a product that we believe an entire church can use. And, and so what we've seen and, and, and why is it taken off, like almost unanimously, 100% of, uh, of time, it will grow your small groups. Um, it will bring unity when you focus on the words of Jesus. And then also um, six weeks of kind of done for you materials from everything from uh, sermons and small groups and kids materials and graphics. Um, that's a really compelling 40 days. That, that's really enticing to pastors who every week are, and I get it, I've, I've been there and I know the grind. And so to be able to at least not have to be the creator for six weeks and kind of take a back seat um, and leverage something that that will will bring proven results to not only the church, but also the individuals that read it. Um, that to me is is why I think God's just put his anointing on the project. So you found a way to get from sunny Florida to, well, whatever you want to call Omaha, right. <laughs> middle America. Yeah. Hey, at least at least you didn't take your kids to Minneapolis. <laughs> those, those poor boys going from Florida. Right. I mean, Omaha isn't terrible. It's nice. We like but it. But it's, you know, in terms yeah. of weather. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so how did you how did you get from your church in Florida to yeah. the ministry you have now in Omaha? It's a great question. So again, like there was never any like, oh, we're going to turn this into something more. It was I'll go back to lead pastor. And then, but by the end of 2019, essentially what was happening was I was running the head person of uh, a church that at that time was 800 people or so in multiple campuses. And also this Red Letter uh, Living, which is our, our LLC name. And so I was running a church and a business um, for 2019. And being a husband and a father to kids that, that are at ages that are really <laughs> faith formative. Yeah. And so by the end of 2019, Allison and I both realized, like, this is not healthy for us to continue to lead both things. Something's got to give. And so actually, Jeff, it was our mutual friend, Carrie Newhoff, that was down in Orlando. And and so uh, we, we were able to have breakfast with him. And I asked Carrie, who had a similar thing he was doing on the side, that then he stepped more out of ministry to focus more full time on that kind of how did you know, like when the right time was? 
Um, cause we feel like we're on two skis and they're both going to kingdom places, but they're separating and we're going to fall. <laughs> um, and so what a great picture. <laughs> yeah. And, and my wife was the one that presented that picture. I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. Um, which by the way, I'm terrible at skiing. So that's a side story. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm never on two skis. I'm always on the ground, but um, Florida boy. <laughs> right. And so Carrie said, that for him, it was when he felt like he was putting in 10 times the effort at church and getting one out of it. And then he'd put one times the effort into like his bloggers podcast and he'd get 10, 10 out mm. of it. And, and that really resonated with me. And it wasn't that like the energy we were putting in the church and the one that we were getting out of it was bad. It was like really rewarding and fulfilling. It was just like, there's this strange anointing on anything we touch on the red letter side that just is blowing up. And so noticing that, and then also looking again at my wiring and gifting, yeah, I'm a fourth generation pastor, but I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, I've had businesses and run, run businesses. Even when I was at, at college, I was, uh, I was doing internet sales all through college and hmm. seminary and bivocational. When I started that church plant at the cross, my main income was coming from selling golf equipment online. Um, and so I always had that entrepreneurial um, feel. And so for me, this was like the blending of both worlds. Um, I can be an entrepreneur, um, but this one is like so kingdom oriented and provide resources for the church. And then the last piece that was really exciting about this for me too, is like, my wife is an incredibly gifted and natural writer, unlike me. <laughs> and, and uh, so yes. she's been able to write the kids books for all of these, which are fantastic. And so it gives us an opportunity as a family to really work together on something meaningful. And so um, that was kind of where we were leaning at the end of 2019, 2020 came and I, I had a meeting with my board of directors uh, three days before COVID hit <laughs> and told, yeah. told them this news and uh, perfect and, timing. Yeah. Right. And then COVID hit and it was like, well, I can't do that now. I got to go back to leading this church. And so for three, three, four months, it was crazy. Pull your bootstraps up, make a plan on Tuesday that you feel like it's awesome. And it changes yep. by Wednesday. You, yeah, you right. Pastors know what I'm talking about there. But by the time we started talking about reopening and reorganizing our church, um, it made sense to do it at that point in July of 2020, um, that I would step into more of a supportive pastoral role um, at the cross and so that's what we stepped into. It's really important to me that I'm still a pastor, even if it's not full time or lead, um, because of the resources we create. We want to make sure that I still have a great understanding of what it's like to be a pastor. So even when I create these resources, I actually start with the sermon series because I think if anything, this thing's got to preach because I love preaching and I know pastors love preaching. And so anyway, that was July of 2020. And I was able to, there were two guys that we were building up at the cross that were ready to take over. And so it was awesome. They had just finished distance seminary and like, it was a perfect timing and they were doing awesome. But I could tell about three months in um, that they were ready to take the ball and run with it. <laughs> and former lead pastor who's sitting there on a supportive assistant role um, part-time, uh, I could just tell they were ready to go. And so... Mm. Um, there's all sorts of mixed emotions and feelings that come with sure. that. You know, it's, yeah. my, it's my my church plant baby that, that my wife and I spent so many years and, and we have so many deep, deep relationships there even still. But it became pretty clear that like, okay, God, this was an awesome 11 year chapter. Where are we going? And so that's when the door to come back to Omaha. I did grow up here in Omaha, Jeff. I don't know if I said that already. So um, I was wondering, I don't know if you yeah. said it either, but I, I wondered where you'd been before yeah. Florida. 
Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's how we got here. I still have some family and close friends here and King of Kings is, is the place where I grew up. It's where that night on the ninth, 10th grade where my youth pastor said, that's, that's where it happened. And so it's kind of neat. I get to go back to a place that's meant so much to me in my, in my faith formative years as a teenager. And uh, so, yeah, we've been here for just over a year now and <laughs> it's a pretty long, long story, but um, that's how we're here. And you preach how often there? So I get to preach about 40% of the Sundays. Um, and so about 20 times a year, I'll preach um, here at King of Kings. And then probably somewhere between 12 to 16 times at other churches, maybe some local here in Nebraska, and then, you know, maybe maybe 10 or so around the nation as they're usually kicking off like a 40-day challenge or in the middle of one, I can kind of come and as the author and, um, yeah, hopefully have a great Sunday for them. And so you have taken those five words, mm-hmm. uh, right, those five areas that Jesus teaches on, and now you've started to develop a 40-day challenge around each one of them. Exactly. So we we started hearing from so many churches in 18 and 19, like, cool, we finished Red Letter Challenge, what next? And you're like, well, we didn't plan on anything. <laughs> but now that we've been able to open up more time, um, what we really wanted to do was take each of those five targets, being forgiving, serving, giving, going, and turn them into the 40-day challenge of their own. And, and so that way, uh, if a church goes through Red Letter Challenge, which is sort of a drink from the fire hose discipleship, and, and they, they realize they're weak in an area or want to go deeper in an area, they'll have a, a next 40-day challenge they can jump into. And so uh, we created Being Challenge in October of 2020. It came out. And that's, all again, all about being and growing in relationship with God. The premise for all my books is the same, uh, is let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's look to Jesus. He was the only one in perfect relationship with God. And so, like, what did Jesus do? in order to be with God. And so uh, we look at the five, what we call keystone habits. That's a term invented by Charles Duhigg. Um, the, the keystone habits, a keystone habit is a habit that unintentionally carries over into other aspects of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so for me, our spiritual habits do just that, that when I'm right with God, like uh, that usually, and also the physical, like the, it seems like they all go together, the physical and spiritual habits. And so I was looking at what are the five um, spiritual disciplines, we call them keystone habits that Jesus practiced the most often. And so that that's a 40-day challenge centered around those five habits. And then um, last year, October 2021, we came out with Forgiving Challenge, uh, which again, this one I feel like is is so crucial because in the wake of the last couple of years with this anger and division and uh, racial tension and oppression and political arguments and gosh, all the craziness out there, like there's a lot of people, even in the secular world, that everybody's like, yeah, we need to forgive. We need to reconcile. And I'm all for that. Um, but every time I've asked a room and I've done it dozens of times, like, do you struggle more with forgiving others or like receiving God's forgiveness or quote, forgiving yourself? And nearly 80 to 90% of the room, I've asked this to pastors as well. And it's maybe 90 plus percent struggle more with either receiving God's forgiveness for themselves or forgiving themselves than they do to forgive someone else. And so Hmm. it's actually a deep dive 40 day challenge into like, just receive God's forgiveness for you. And so we look uh, intently at my favorite story of forgiveness in the Bible of Jesus forgiving and restoring the disciple Peter. It's really anchored in John chapter 21, um, that charcoal, second charcoal fire. Uh, where where Jesus restores Peter in such a powerful way. 
And, uh, and so, so my answer is, yeah, I'm all for reconciliation, but we're, we're sending broken parties to the table. We need to be made whole and we're only made whole by the forgiveness of Jesus. And so I really believe that the answer to forgiving others is to receive forgiveness for ourselves from God. And, and that that's where real freedom comes is knowing that the God of the universe has forgiven me, has restored me and offers me uh, a life of sanctification that I can now walk into. Um, so anyway, yeah, we have in, in each of the 40 day challenges has a companion kids piece that's written for um, kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, turns out that the ones I write are um, I'm a pretty simple to understand guy. So most uh, junior high and especially senior high do really well with the regular version of um, but it's meant to all of these are meant to kind of be a 40 day um, immersive experience at a church. So you write so well, you don't even need to make a youth edition, right? <laughs> I don't know that I write well. It, it's again, knowing who you are. And and so I've had to really shift my identity um, in these years because like I, I'm, I'm very confident from a public speaking, preaching standpoint like that, I feel like is my sweet spot. But for whatever reason, God's giving me the biggest platform right now through my writing. And I've really wrestled with that, truthfully, Jeff. But I do think it's like anything. The more you put the reps in, the better you get. And 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 so I'm starting now to gain a confidence in my writing. And I love seeing that in me because it just shows me that, cool, this is something God has for me. But I also am confident in the style and type of writing that I do. Um, I'm not the academic guy that's going to be you know, writing this really deep, deep stuff that you have to spend five minutes to work your way through a page. I'm the sort of guy that can give an illustration and tell a story, bring some humor or some statistics um, in a compelling way that's challenging for the reader. And that's simple to understand. Like that's my niche. And so I'm trying to like, cool, own that niche and just be confident in who you are. Well, I'm holding your Red Letter Challenge book in my hands. And I told you earlier, it is a beefy book. But but when I say beefy, that might scare people, but it's it's really an interesting layout. I've not seen a book quite like this. It's a combination of a devotional, a journal, a workbook, a notebook, and it's got pictures and big print and white space. And where it's not white space, it's dark space because yep. some, some have the black background, you know, and white print. So Really, really interesting. And what have you learned since you've you know put this together, and now especially since you put these other two books together, which had to be, I would imagine they were a little bit more of a challenge because you had to get a little more granular mm-hmm. on them. It wasn't the it wasn't the thirty thousand foot flyover. Mm-hmm. And you're probably working on the last three words. Yep, serving, giving, and going. I, I hate saying it out loud because it's always super overwhelming. But yeah, we're actually just this summer. Um, starting to write the first draft for serving challenge. We kind of gave ourselves permission after forgiving challenge. We, we turned that one around in 12 to 14 months. My wife and I did and our team and our, like you said, the books have incredible design. Like the, that's the plain Joe effect, uh, plain Joe studio, yeah. but it, okay. it, they're a labor of love uh, to get to that point. And so we gave ourselves a little break there. Um, but yeah, we're continuing to write um, serving challenge now, just entering into writing the first draft um, kind of spent the last eight, nine months giving myself time to like figure out outside of like look to Jesus as the answer, which is the I feel like every book has two controlling ideas, and that's one of them. Um, the, the the other controlling idea is not something you can rush. Um, that's something that like 
I, I've given the Lord nine months to kind of show me, and I think we're there now with it. Um, but really, it's like anything. Once once you get that, writing is tough, but it's it's time blocking. It's cool. I've got forty days to write, and so it, I need probably forty two to three hour windows um, to at least get words on paper. And once I get that, like now we're now we're going. And I have found like that the actual writing of it itself is probably. 15 to 20% of it. <laughs> um, it's the editing back and forth. Uh, it, it's yeah. all self-published, so, but I have my own quality control. Um, lots of pastors spe- speak into it because I want it to be a resource that pastors love for their people. And and then the editing and the design, it's, it's a, a lot of back and forth. And then all the companion stuff that goes with it, the sermons, the small groups, the kids. And so that's part of the reason why like we really felt called to continue to create resources, but like I realized I can't continue to create this type of resource if I'm still a full-time, especially lead pastor. Right. Um, And so this, it's kind of fun now, like, because what I couldn't do in the first couple red letter challenge and being challenge, I was able to sort of enter into and forgiving challenge. And now the, Mm -hmm. the next ones is like, I can get into a rhythm now where cool. If I've got 40 days to write, I need to block out um, 40 straight days or, um, or, or eight weeks, five days in those eight weeks. I need to block out two to three hour chunks and just get words on paper and don't worry where it's at today. Um, just, just get them on paper. And once you get momentum, like it, it, it gets exciting <laughs> at yeah. that point. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you, so you're half done. You've got three more yeah. Yeah. books to do. And, and I, I would, I'm going to predict that before you finish those three books, if you haven't already, God's going to show you what the next thing is. I know. I think I've already got it. But <laughs> you have it. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a guy that I'm, I'm so self-driven and motivated. I don't know where it comes from, but I, it's for me. It's a matter of like, cool. I've got to stay faithful to this idea, finish it, and then I've got yeah, 17 things I want to do next. So it's a matter of God. Which one or two are really your ideas? Yeah. Um. That. Yeah. that um, that you, that, that you're calling me to do. So, yeah. Well, I like to say that somebody, I'm not the person that's going to be up in the ivory tower pouring over the ancient texts and the original <laughs> languages and the German theological tomes. Right. You know, and, and I'm not going to be the ivory tower academic writing the big fat books, but somebody's got to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to be up there and somebody's got to think about things like this and why, you know, why can't it be you? And, you know, there's a lot of people that won't do a podcast for nine and a half years, but I happen to be that person who <laughs> yeah. just had the unique group of whatever to be able to pull that off. But there's a lot that I can't do. Sure. So I'm glad that you're doing this. But my my question earlier uh, that I really didn't formulate very well was, what have you and Allison learned about discipleship? Yeah. Doing this and even, even now, you know, and of course... The, the the pandemic period just throws all of our timing off and all of yeah, our reference sure. off. Um, what have you guys learned about discipleship as you've transitioned from one church to another and you've really looked more mm-hmm. deeply now at these books and been thinking about churches yeah. and groups of people and small groups and interacting together and wrestling yeah. with the application and the questions that maybe you could coach us pastors on? When sure. we think about discipleship for our church. 
Yeah, I, I, so a few things. I could I, so many things, but a few things that come to top of the mind. Uh, number one, I, I think, is just the central core focus on Jesus. That to me, like, and that that's where I think there's success behind this is because it's so Jesus focused. Like, it's really hard to argue uh, for Christians in churches that if we want to know how to be a disciple, look to Jesus. And so I would say, no matter if you're using our resources or not, like, is your discipleship plan like really unifying? Does it come back to a really unifying concept like that? Hmm. Um, And if not, like, where did you pull it from? Like, if you have, if you use five other words um, or have a pathway that include these four ways, fine, that's okay. But like, I want to see is that where, where did you get that from? Is that from Jesus? Because if it is, I would say that because I found that focusing on Jesus is incredibly, incredibly unifying. Um, so that's one thing top of mind. Okay. Um, secondly, I, w- I would say, I think a lot of churches and individuals know of the importance of discipleship, but still fail in, in materializing or measuring or, or kind of having a, a fully developed concept that they truly love. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of like, we, we, we know it's important. We just don't know how. I think there is that from a church side. Like, so is your discipleship pathway? Is it clear? Um, what, are, what are you calling the people to do? Would, would the people in your church be able to say, this is what a disciple is? Um, and, and for a lot of churches, that clarity isn't there. Um, and then I would say on the individual side, and I've really noticed this, it, the research really shows this with kids, but I, I think it's also true of adults. So part of the reason we, we do a kid's book as well, uh, which I initially didn't come out with, but Allison was the champion behind that, was Barney did a study, it's probably a decade old at this point, um, that said 85% of Christian parents believe they are the number one faith formation person in their child's life. Um, so six out of seven, and that's good. Mm-hmm. I, why, why that's not 100, I don't know, but 85%, that's yeah. pretty good. Um, but then two paragraphs later, it was very few of them have any plan put in place to know how to do this. Mm, yeah. And so think through this from a parent side, but then I would also say pastors from a church side as well. So Parents know I'm really important in my child's faith formation, growing them as disciples, but I don't know what to do or I, I'm not doing anything. And so now there's a guilt there that's put in. And so I think the same could be said of pastors of like, we know this is a really important in our church, but we're not doing it. And so there could be guilt there. Uh, and so that's for us, like the big thing is like, if your answer is not being forgiving, serving, giving, going, okay. What is your answer? Um, what are the targets? We always tell people, if you're doing discipleship and you feel like you're crushing it, everybody knows what you're going for, keep doing what you're doing. Not many are. <laughs> Very few have a, a, a well-thought-out plan that they can look back and measure and talk about those words. And so those would be a couple of the really key findings. Um, and okay. then just the third one that I would say that I just continue to point back to is like reminding people that to follow Jesus, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. This is so cool that God would choose broken people like us. And I know I'm talking to a lot of pastors right now. And so I think I feel that even more like, seriously, God, me, that's crazy that you would have me playing a role in in your kingdom. And so I just, I I understand that there's hard times and that there's burdens. 
Um, but I, I think that when we talk about discipleship more as a burden to bear and not like the opportunity of a lifetime, I, I think it does disservice to the incredible call that God puts on our lives. And so using that positive language, I try to do that often um, to talk about the fulfillment and the joy. This is kind of a, a, a word that's been hijacked. I think the happiness that can come from just following and being in relationship with Jesus. Um, so those are a few few of my uh, the top ones that come to mind. Good. Well, yes, I, I'm moved by your your focus at that first one and in the last one, just on on Jesus and uh, my thought, my memory always goes back to in the in the late 1990s, we had our church renovated and we got a whole new platform set and uh, all reconfigured. And we had these big trees. This is back when you had mm. big trees on these big platforms. And in one of the services, I, I, I talked about how we come to church and we, for, we forget about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's as though, and I ran back behind the trees and it's as though, you know, Jesus is back there. And I made like I was Jesus and I was shaking the bushes. Hey guys, Hey, I'm back here. I'm over here. You know, I, I'm still here. Right. And, you know, we forget that. And in the mm-hmm. same way you're saying that, yeah, when we're talking about discipleship, a disciple of who, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and how, you know, how do we follow him? And, and we, we, we never want how, how crazy that we could ever do ministry or be a follower of Jesus and forget Jesus, but yeah, that happens. That happens. So and, yeah, and the research, that. Jeff, that like forever rocked me that I learned in seminary was from Kinneman's book Unchristian. Um, that yeah. that when non Christians, who are the ones we're trying to reach, label us with the first words: judgmental, hypocritical, anti homosexual, too political, out of touch, mm. old fashioned, and boring. That is incredibly sad to me um, because those are not words that people use to describe as Jesus. Um, Even that first word, judgment, like when I think of Jesus, I think of grace. And so grace and judgment are by definition polar opposites. Like grace is getting a free gift you don't deserve. Judgment is getting exactly what you do deserve. And so like we haven't missed the mark collectively by a little bit. We are completely opposite. And like, I don't want to go down dying being that my legacy, that I think that we we can be a greater, fuller and truer expression of, of who Jesus is collectively. And that's sort of how the whole movement of Red Letter has been birthed of like, let's change the narrative and change the story. And rather than denying those words or saying, well, they're wrong for thinking that, let's realize every one of us is broken in some way, shape or form. And, and we play into that. And even if they're wrong, that's their perception. And so let's realize yeah. that it may not right. be true, but it's real. And and let's let's offer collectively a, a better expression. And the only way we're going to do that is by focusing on Jesus. And, and so th- that's the real root behind all of this is I want to change that narrative, that story, um, so we can be fuller, truer, and greater. Because um, I think when the world sees that, I think when the world sees the real Jesus, it, it, it's going to force it's going to force them to reckon with who Jesus is, and they're going to realize he's pretty awesome. Amen, amen. Hey, you're a good guy, Zach Zender. Thank you for joining us today and spending time. Thank you for inspiring pastors and for following the Lord in in the yeah. different ways that He has led you. This has been really good, and and uh, I've got. 
I'm not done with my questions, so we'll <laughs> save it for a future recording. Part two, yeah. Yeah, hey, so hey, thanks can so I, much. Can I say one more thing? That if any pastor, sure. like we, we believe in our product so much, if any pastor wants a free 40-day challenge, um, whether it's Red Letter Challenge, that's what we always suggest, or Being Challenge or Forgiving Challenge, uh, we will mail a pastor a free book. Um, and so they can go to redletterchallenge.com slash church. And uh, there'll be a, a link there to, and, and again, totally free. We'll even cover the shipping for them. And uh, we, we'd love to work with churches. And uh, yeah, we'd love to see God move in, in any church that, or pastor that might be listening right now. So redletterchallenge.com forward slash church. You got it. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Zach. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Man, I love how Zach's story just goes with these twists and turns because isn't that our lives as pastors? Isn't that our lives as followers of Jesus, as people whom God calls to do things in service for him? And it's never this linear path. It's it's always this this twists and turns in our lives. And, and it's often the things that we don't really ever expect to have happen, and they just seem to be random, but but God's actually using the gifts and the passions that he's planted deep within our hearts, and he's done that with Zach and Pastor. I think he can do that with you and me as well. What is it that maybe you've just been putting off or you've been avoiding, or you've been thinking, I can't do that. I mean, who am I to do that? You heard Zach say today, it's almost laughable. He said that that he has actually written books that are going to help churches and, and pastors lead their people into deeper discipleship really around the country and around the world. What do you think is laughable in your life, Pastor? What do you think is? And what have you been really not believing God about that he actually wants to do through you and in you and with you. Uh, so I just want to challenge you to take that step. Take that step toward what God has put in your heart and the skill set that God has given you that maybe in the past you've thought, yeah, but I, I can't really use this in ministry. Maybe you can. Zach had a passion that led him into, as an entrepreneur, he had a lot of passions and has, as he has said, led several different ventures. And God has given you a passion and maybe you think that it's going to take you outside of the realm of ministry, but maybe you haven't stopped to think about how can I incorporate this into ministry and then God may then utilize it and leverage it to do greater things within his kingdom. There was a lot here. I really appreciate Zach. If you want, if you want to get one of his books now, he sent me actually the three books, and I'm holding them in my hands: the one on being, the being challenge, uh, the forgiving challenge, and then the flagship book, the red letter challenge. These are fantastic resources. Take him up on his offer. Go to redletterchallenge.com/church. Fill out whatever information is there, and he will send you this red letter challenge and you can check that out look it over maybe this is something you could do this fall maybe it would help you in your church and help your people move closer and closer to jesus and deeper discipleship and deeper commitment to him so there you have it my friend i will see you on monday on the coaching for pastors podcast